Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. As we are, uh, I hate to say this, but as we are coming to a close of another year, which we are, this is the month of November, uh, we're going to basically talk about volunteers or volunteerism uh, in the church. And with that, I hope to underscore the importance of those that do volunteer. We have really a host of volunteers in reality uh, here at the church that serve in various capacities uh, from custodial and janitorial uh, you know, positions up to administrative pastors and so on and so forth uh, and covering the broad spectrum. And so we're going to underscore the importance of that, but hopefully also gender inside of maybe some people that have no um, per se job description or per se thing like that to have a, a desire to do so and understand it's just a part and parcel of just being a part of the body of Christ, every joint supplying, and so on and so forth. So we're going to take a little biblical view of that this Sunday, next Sunday, and I'll be preaching along those lines in the evening services as well. So just service here, just kind of all focus on that as we go into the new year uh, here at the church. Uh, next weekend, we're going to be here with our leaders on, on Friday and Saturday, and we're going to have an annual planning session. We'll be planning out all next year, uh, this coming uh, weekend. And so it just seemed fitting uh, to group all of this together. Romans chapter number 12 and verse number 4 and verse number 5 uh, this morning. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members of members one of another. Amen. So we want to talk today about your part matters. We're going to just be teaching here this morning. We're going to ask God to help us, though. This is his word. It's a living word. Amen. It's quick and powerful. It's a living word. Amen. We want to have its effect upon our life. Father, we come to you this morning. We're so grateful today, Lord, for being here, for being able to join together. Lord, sing songs, Lord, of worship and praise. We're thankful, Lord, for your spirit that we have felt, God, in this place. Lord, we acknowledge that. I pray, oh, Lord, that you would bring understanding and knowledge, Lord Jesus, to us today. Lord, inspire. Lord, and also, Lord Jesus, perhaps encourage. Lord, others, Lord, I pray. God, help us, Lord Jesus, to do your will and your purpose, Lord, in the earth, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. The church say amen. I'm just going to, you may be seated today, I'm just going to let those filter around. If you are a fill-in-the-blank type person with notes and stuff like that, here is a piece of paper front and back along the journey today that you might be able or want uh, to fill in the blank, and I'll try to identify when that blank is there because sometimes that blank is right between here in my head. All right. Amen. So I'll try to identify whenever that blank is there. Your part matters. T- tell me that again. Your part matters. Your part matters. I love this story, and I've shared it before, but I love the story of a king, they say, that wanted to show his people how much he loved them. And so he decided to pay for a great feast for himself and his kingdom and all those that served in different capacities. And so he decided to have a great meal with them and invited them, everyone, every family, to this meal. And so it was set and it was organized in which the king would provide all of the meat, he would provide all of the vegetables, he would provide all the desserts, everything. But as the story goes, the king uh, would provide all except 
what they would drink. And they, they, at this particular setting, were, were going to have wine, as the story goes. The king asked every family to bring one bottle of their best wine. And he would see that there was several thousand gallon vat there for all to pour in their bottle of wine. And this would be just a tremendous feast in his kingdom. He wanted to honor his people, show them respect for their respect that they had toward him. And then one poor farmer decided he would slip in his bottle, no wine, but just water. Whenever I go and I offer my part, I'll just put water in it because he knew, he knew surely that if I do this, just one bottle of water mixed with thousands of other people's bottles of wine, it'll never be known. Not even, not even the slightest uh, determination will be made about there being one bottle of water. Well, he said the king won't know either. It'll still taste good. No one will know the difference. So the poor farmer, he climbed the stairs to the top of the vat. No one was looking. He got out of his bottle, which was full of water, poured in his bottle that was full of water, along with all the thousands of other bottles of per se wine that was that was put in there no one saw him he made he made sure he was quite discreet he had fooled everybody he was successful he laughed he thought to himself i got away cheap we all know maybe someone like that i got away cheap he poured in his body he sat down at the king's table ready at the feast to have the meat and the vegetables the king was so proud to have everybody there these precious people they're filling their plate with precious food and dessert and the king picked up his royal golden chalice amen to drink from it got from the spout of this huge vat that contained everybody bottles of wines that took in there. He took it to his lips and to his surprise and the surprise no doubt that came upon his face. It was clear, pure water that he had in his chalice because it seemed like everybody else in the kingdom thought they could do the same thing as the poor old farmer had done and just bring their water in the bottle. It wouldn't matter. No one will notice. Poured in. But it came to find out that everybody's part did matter. And so the common assumption sometimes that can happen in the church, organization, whatever you want to call it, is that it doesn't need your help. We are part, you are part of things even outside of the local church. There are uh, bodies or groups, organizations, social things that you're a part of that you may decide if they have 50 members, 20 members, 10 members, that they don't need your help. Uh, but it does. And the church needs your help as well. Amen. We are a body of Christ. We are one entity together. And so many times people see themselves as functioning in certain roles or certain aspects of the church and believe that their involvement, you know, doesn't, isn't needed to fulfill the, the obligation of the church or the work of the church or whatever it may be a part of. However, there is other people that may be involved in the church and, you know, they're trying to be the pinky and the ear and the nose and the elbow, trying to serve in so many different capacities sometimes that that can also be very, very difficult. Amen. And the thing is this, sometimes people serve in various areas not because they're wanting to monopolize the body of Christ, but because there's void and vacancy and there's things that need to be filled. And so, as we used to say, you know, you wear more than one hat. And you only got one head. <laughs> and sometimes that can become difficult. But there is a need. There's a need in the church. Although uh, with, on the surface with our eyes, we say, well, it looks like everything is fulfilled. It looks like everything's taken care of. Well, I, I guarantee you as the pastor, I got a little inside road here. There's always something that can be done. There's always some job that can be fulfilled. In Isaiah 6 and verse number 8, the Bible says this. Isaiah says, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom... And that's, that's, that's a vague term, whom, you know, just need someone, whom, whom shall I send, who will go for us, the question was, 
Then said I, Isaiah, here am I. He said, send me. Isaiah, in the book of Isaiah here, he does not receive per se a specific call, a specific call. It was just that he was sensitive to a need. And so oftentimes, we, we, we oftentimes concentrate on what Isaiah saw because in Isaiah 6, it's where in, in the year that King Uzziah died, he saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. Is As the scripture goes, that, that after King Uzziah died, so Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. And, if, and, and I, I, I was going to include when the blanks come. Uh, Isaiah was sensitive to the need is your first blank. But we oftentimes concentrate on what Isaiah saw after Uzziah died. And Isaiah, this is your second blank. Isaiah didn't just see the Lord, but he also heard the voice of the Lord. So it's not just what Isaiah saw, but it's what Isaiah heard. Secondly, third, third blanks there or sentence on your thing. Note that Isaiah volunteered. He said, here am I, send me. He volunteered before what he knew he was volunteering for. Now, you want to talk about walking in blind. You know, everybody sometimes wants to know all the ins and outs, especially if you're just going for a job. Uh, what's the benefits? How much does it pay? Could you imagine just going in and saying, I'm here, I'm your person, it, it's me. It doesn't matter. You know, nothing else matters. I'm just here to serve. Well, that's, that's Isaiah here. He doesn't know the ins or the out uh, about what he's about ready to get employed in, so to speak. He's just like, here, my Lord, send me. Amen. <laughs> you know, it's not too often you see someone say like, you know, and, and I'm not necessarily condoning this, but you don't necessarily see anybody saying, you know, man, I want to sing and you can't carry a tune in the bucket. You know, just, this just doesn't happen every day. I'm going to go on tour. You know what I'm saying? And you, you, you can't even sing your alphabet song on to. Okay, you all right. But, but what it was was Isaiah was eager to do something. More importantly, he was eager to do something for the Lord. And it is a proven fact. I think we all know this just from life. It is possible to have too many irons, as the old saying is, in the fire. I, I elaborate on the saying, so when you have too many irons in the fire, none of them get hot. And so it is possible to have too many irons in the fire or, or have one area, you know, that you're focused. Whenever you are focused in the variety of areas, it's hard to be your best in all those areas. But if you have a focused area of concentration that you can pour yourself into, your time into, your skills into, that you can devote to, then it, it, it probably, I say probably, but it will probably, it'll probably be successful. But if you've got four different things that you're involved in, some people can do it better than some, but still yet, it's hard to have divided attention among them. Amen. And for that matter, sometimes, let's get just honest with one another, sometimes we become unbalanced then just in life. You have too many things to focus on. I know as a pastor, I got the constant struggle. You know, I got the church. I got district stuff. I got national stuff. I got my own family, right? I got my kids. I know they're a part of my family, but, you know, as they grow up, sometimes there's... And so we got all this. And so you're trying to balance all these things, and you can become unbalanced, focusing more on one, because there's been people focused more, per se, on their job than their family. And then, you know, they're trying to, they're trying to even out the balance, and they start focusing on their family, they start being delinquent on the job. And so there's these, all these things that you're trying to balance, and something suffers. And so the remedy to this, though... Uh, is not necessarily becoming better managers of 10 different things, uh, but the, 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 the remedy of this is for more people to be involved 
and take some of the jobs and take some of the responsibilities that may have no job or a responsibility to come in and, and, and just become a part of the body become a part of the body and, and do their part because their part does matter. Uh, old Chinese proverb we use around here, you're, whenever I first came here, I started stating this, and it's kind of almost become an anthem around here, and anytime something needs to be done, and this is another one of your blanks, the Chinese proverb oftentimes used around here is, many hands make light work. Uh, you know, we, we sometimes have to set up the fellowship hall in the back with tables and chairs for uh, a food or a meal. Now, put one of us back there and that's going to take a little bit of time and used to at the old tables you know you're doing lifting uh, and such but when we get 10 guys back there we we knock that out and nothing flat many hands make like work and so what we got to do is try to refrain from having tunnel vision because tunnel vision will will steal the big picture from us paul paul in writing to the romans in our scripture text makes a comparison between the literal human body and the body of Christ as the church. He is telling these early Christians that their body, their whole body uh, as the individual was a member or a part of another body. You as a person are part of a body. You're a member of another body, namely the body of Christ, the body of Christ or the church. Look at verse 4, if you will, again, that idea or concept that we are many members but one body. The Bible says in Psalms, concerning that phrase, Psalm 68 and verse number 6, that God setteth the solitary. Everybody say solitary. Solitary in families. That's one of your blanks. He bringeth out those which are bound with chains, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. God setteth the solitary in families. I, I am a firm believer today that just as God has ordained pastors in leadership over churches, I believe God positions people even in the church. Saints, you may call them. I believe he positions certain people in the church at certain times. He puts the solitary uh, in God-ordained families, amen, or in churches. Uh, he puts them in families, of course, uh, that can nurture them and care for them at whatever juncture they are in their life as a family or as an individual, uh, some of the needs that they may have in their life. He sets them in a church uh, that can nurture them and care for them concerning that need. But I believe he also places them in families, and it seems to be the case. Whenever we traveled uh, as an evangelist and we preached in, in, in hundreds upon hundreds, probably thousands of churches across the United States, every church, just like every individual, has its own personality has its own chemistry, so to speak. And I believe with every church having its own chemistry, it's like there is this gravitation of like similar chemistry, it would seem, of families and individuals that, 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 that join together in a church. And so uh, imagine now for a moment uh, and if in, in our organization or in the Pentecostal apostolic movement, uh, it is typical for somebody to go to a church and stay at a church you know, for years. It's nothing for a man to have pastored a church for 40 years or 30 years. Uh, just a longevity uh, of staying, you know, through the highs and the lows, the goods, the bads, the uglies, the pretties, you know what I'm saying, just, just to stay with it. And so if you could just imagine, though, imagine for a moment that if in this pulpit at the First Apostolic Church that it was a rotating pulpit, meaning that every week you had a different pastor. 
Just imagine if every week you had a different, a different pastor. But for the same token, imagine if we all came together and every week I had a different congregation. And circulating through here, you know. It's the first week of the month's congregation, you know, and second week of the month's congregation. If you, you know, that would be very difficult for you as, as a congregation if you had a different leader up there every week or for that matter, for me as a pastor, if I had a certain body of people that went through here every week, never got to know them, uh, never had, you know, make any relationships with their families, so on and so forth. And so God places people in the body. He places the solitary in families uh, to care one, for one another, to look out uh, for one another. Uh, and with that being said, we each, whether in leadership or uh, in the pew, we each have something that we can contribute and give to each other for the overall benefit of us all. All right? Your family whether you believe it or not, and this is what I'm trying to get through our minds because some people believe, I, not me, I really don't have anything to contribute. And I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about you as a family, you as an individual. See, there's some people that are here, even this morning, that they have such horrific low self-esteem, self-esteem that they don't believe there's anything that they can offer the church. There's nothing that they can offer the church. But I want you to know this morning, we need you. Yes, you, the very one that says there's no place there for me. I don't, I, I can't, we need you. The body of Christ needs you. And when you're a part of the body of Christ, the scripture tells me that you have something to offer. You have something to offer, amen, to, to the rest of us that's going to enrich the rest of us, that's going to make us better as a church, that's going to make us better as the body of Christ. And so we need you this morning. You have something, your family, your, your husband and wife or wife and husband, your children, you all have something to contribute. And so he admonishes them, uh, the Apostle Paul admonishes them in the opening verses of Romans chapter 12 that they would present their bodies, he says, That is their their whole part, their bodies uh, as a living sacrifice. He says, because this is your, this is one of your blanks. This is your reasonable service. This is your reasonable service. Amen. For you to present your whole body or yourself, mind, body, soul, the faculties, all of your talents and ability. Oh, I don't, you have, you have something that nobody else can probably do. Or you might be able to do something better than some of us that have a similar talent or ability. Amen. And so you have something to offer. First Peter chapter number 4 and verse 11. This is what the scripture says. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever and someone's already checking out you're saying well brother mcgee that's not about me you said minister well let's look at this a little bit he said if any man speak then then if any man minister many times this is viewed as two interpretations or two different functions uh, meaning that perhaps we're talking about someone that's preaching or ministering or something like that but here's what i want you your blank here on your paper this morning to understand a man ministering is a man serving. A man ministering is a man serving. You tell a group of people that you're going to talk about ministry, and many of them are going to think you're talking about preaching and teaching, or evangelism, or something like that. They're going to tune you out. But again, some, we have come to the real biblical understanding of ministry over the years 
Because used to, when you talked about ministry, that's what people said, preacher, teacher. That's all ministry concern. But ministry has a much, uh, much broader focus than that. Uh, whenever you look at the root meaning of the word ministry in the New Testament in the Greek, and this is one of your blanks, the root meaning of ministry in the New Testament scripture is to serve. That's what ministry is. And so what that means is the preacher isn't the only one that's a minister. And the teacher isn't the only one that's a minister. I'm here to tell you today, and thank God for these precious ladies, that the Sarah Johnsons and the Tiffany Perkins and the Malin McGee's, do I got them all, Sarah? Amen, right now that's serving, that, that clean uh, this church in between services, each one of those ladies are ministers according to the biblical definition because they serve this body and they serve this church, making sure that the floor is swept and that the restrooms smell well when you walk into here and that all things are clean. They are ministers. I'm up here teaching this morning. I'm a minister, but they are too. We are both serving. Amen. We are both serving. And so uh, they serve that ch- this church in that capacity. And so what I see out here this morning filling every one of these pews are, are potential ministers. And what it takes to go from who you are to minister is serve the body. Serve your church. Serve your facility. One of the last lessons that Jesus wanted to instill in his disciples Uh, before he ascended and before he left, before the death, burial, and the resurrection, and all those things that played out. And it was a very lasting impression on them is that at the end of the supper, the Bible says that he washed their feet, which was normally uh, the position of of a slave or, or a servant. He would wash their feet. And so he went around and he served each one of them by washing their feet. Even Judas, the one that he knew already would betray him, he washed his feet. He put aside his robe, his garment, the Bible says, that's important in John because robes in those days were very important they distinguished social classes and maybe even the the job or the position of individual was denoted by their garment and the robe but he placed that aside he he girded himself the bible says with a towel and he went and he washed his disciples feet and this is what he told them in John 13 and verse 15 he says for I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. In other words, Jesus's, one of Jesus' final examples for those 12 disciples that ate where he ate, slept you know, where he slept, had some experiences, the miracles and wonders that he had done, prayed where he prayed. The final example that he emphasized to them was what? It was serving, but in essence, according to our New Testament definition, his example was ministry. And his, the ministry that he was shown was serving people. Amen. And notice what the scripture said there in, in 1 Peter 4.11. It says that we serve or we minister according to the ability that God has endowed him or her with. So God has given abilities, sir. God has given abilities, ma'am, regardless of what your mind tells you of you not having anything contribute. God has given you ability to serve the body in some capacity, and your part does matter. And we at the First Apostolic Church need your part. We need your part. Look at verse 4 again of Romans, Romans 12, that phrase, all have not the same office. All have not the same office. Again, uh, the apostle was making the comparison between the body of Christ 
in a real physical body of a human, just as the human body has many members that you all are aware of, fingers, toes, nose, hearts, you know, all these things, many members, you are still, though, just one Pat Dicus. We've not taken to a scientific lad to make a clone of you. I don't know if we could handle it, but uh, you're just one Pat Dicus. Many members of Pat, but he just composes of one body, and that's very crucial because all those members of Pat Dicus that each of us have do not serve in the same capacity. They do not serve in the same office. Every member, the Bible says, functioning, you know, according to the office that it has or been given. If every, if every member functioning were functioning in the same office, in the same way, uh, that would constitute something entirely different than just one body. Uh, you know, there, there are mutations that happen in life, but whenever that happens, that's usually something that's abnormal, you know. And so to have all those varying members or the right number of members for the body, that is a proper body. Verse number 5 of Romans 12. So spiritually this morning, as the apostle is making this comparison, spiritually, we are many members or parts, but together, that means your part with my part. Your responsibility with my responsibility. Your function with my, my function. Together, we are one body. Here is a blank for you on your page. There is not a part or a member of my body. That's the blank. That is considered more, that's the other blank, a part of my body than the other. What's that telling us? Your part matters. Your part matters. It serves to reason. That people place emphasis, of course, on certain members of their body. Maybe more so than others. Or importance on certain members of their body more so than others. You know, someone's saying, you know, if I lost my pinky, if my pinky finger was cut off, I can survive, right? I can survive without a pinky finger. But if you take my heart out of my body, your days are numbered. (laughs) Seconds. (laughs) You're done. Uh, so whenever we talk about, though, I can survive without my finger, or I can, you know, always, I can survive without my appendix. I don't know why you even have one anyway. You know, that's the saying, you know. Um, whenever you use the mere words, I can survive without such and such, then that tells me there's going to be some type of adaptation you're going to do in order to compensate for what has been lost. So just making that statement's telling me you're going to have to do, you're going to have to live life some means differently after whatever it is, even if you're calling it an insignificant pinky finger you're going to lose, you're going to have to live life a little bit differently to compensate for that no longer being there. All right? And so in order to adapt then, you, you've read the stories of people that's lost sight or lost hearing or lost whatever it may be that they have lost. In order to adapt, many times what happens in the natural human body, there is strain on some of the other members to compensate for the loss of one of the members of the body because they're trying to compensate for the loss or the lack of the pinky finger, so to speak. There's, there's, there's somewhat of a stress or a strain on the natural body, and that's, that's unnatural. That, that has even caused other body difficulties, handicaps, because of the body trying to compensate for something that was lost. It's caused some other difficulties and problems. And so still yet even consider this. I, I cannot consider my body to be whole. W-H-O-L-E, or complete, in reality, without my pinky finger. I just can't. God designed me to have two of them. Thank goodness they're there. Amen. Why? Because that part matters. 
So when we think of that in comparison then to the body of Christ, each member has an office. Each member has a function. They function in that office according to God according to the several ability that God has given you. And so there's a reason why in the medical world, they don't transplant a lung in place of where the heart should be. All right? Now, for us that are leaving, that would be wonderful if that was the case. You don't have people on waiting lists for organs and such. But that's not the way it works. They're not going to take a lung and put it where the heart functions because the lung and the heart do not function the same. They do not hold the office. They are important in their place. This is a blank on your sheet this morning. Each of those members has a prescribed office and function in the body and serves to its benefit when it's found functioning in that row. The lungs would be horrific as a heart, but the lungs are good as the lungs. You see what I'm saying? So when they serve where their ability is, then they are just outstanding because they're doing what they were created to do. They were doing what they were created to do. Amen. This morning, I, I know a, a long time ago I did this, but I want to prove a little point today. Brother Pat, can you help me? And Brother Malone, you help me today. Amen. Come out here for everybody and see. I'll hold this, or, or we'll do something where people can see that. We'll say, stand over here, will you? Now, here is, here is the object. This is a hammer. That hammer serves a purpose. We all have a certain knowledge about what a hammer can do or what it's to be used for. This is a saw. Brother Pat, we do have a, a certain understanding of the purpose, you know, of a saw as well. If I can put it in these terms, this saw has a certain function, has certain giftings, certain responsibilities, likewise with the hammer. I give you both a nail. I want you to drive that nail into the piece of the wood with your tool. That's beautiful. Give her a try, Brother Pat. We come very inventive sometimes. Have you ever used a screwdriver to put a, you know, a nail in? <laughs> or a wrench? Thank you, guys. The fact of the matter is just what I wanted to illustrate here this morning. Two separate tools have their own particular functions, but whenever they both try to do the same job, one is insufficient. Because that's not what it was created for. That's not what it was made for. And so it's not just about serving. It's about serving where God has gifted you. Serving where God, you have it. He's given you several abilities. It's been given to you by God. Amen. To function in the body of Christ. So trying to use a gift for an improper function, you know, what happened? Well, Brother Pat didn't get his nail on the board. Boom, you know. You didn't get accomplished what needed to get accomplished. Because the tool's function wasn't proper for the job that was necessary or the job that was needed. And so, for that matter, he could have tore up my soul, you know, in the process of, of trying to get that nail in there. He could have injured himself, you know, in the process of trying to get that nail in there by using a tool that wasn't made for that function and using it improperly. And so, here's the thing, and I've said this over the years, you know, if you serve in one particular function of the church and that doesn't seem to be working, that doesn't seem to be your fit, there is nothing wrong with backing out of that and find another. Let's find where your ability is. Let's find where what you have to offer works 
all right, in tandem, amen, with the body of Christ. You know, in, in that way, you don't get injured. Nobody that you're trying to serve gets injured but, injured. but whenever it happens, you find where you're supposed to be and where that function and that gifting in your life is supposed to be. It will be for the benefit of the whole body. Everybody is going to increase. Everybody's going to be benefited by you helping or functioning in what God wants you to function in. A case in point in Scripture of illustrating this is in the Old Testament of a man by the name of Saul. At that time in the Old Testament, the story that I'm speaking of is Saul is Israel's king. He's gifted, might I say. His ability is for the purpose of being Israel's king. He, he was supposed to, according to the prophet Samuel, he was supposed to wait seven days uh, for Samuel to arrive, and then they were going to offer up the burnt offerings unto the Lord. Samuel was the priest. Saul was the king. Saul's getting a little impatient. Because Samuel hasn't shown up yet. And since he thinks that Samuel isn't going to show up, you know what Saul does? Saul steps in from the tool of being the king to the tool of being the priest. And he decides he's going to offer up this burnt sacrifice and these peace offerings unto the Lord. And so as he starts to do this, uh, the Bible says that Samuel, the priest, he said, I'd be there. He was there, shows up. This is what the scripture relays in 1 Samuel 13 and verses 11 through 14. The Bible says, and Samuel said, this is after this has already occurred and happened. He's talking to Saul. What hast thou done? And Saul said, because I saw that the people were scattered from me and that thou camest not within the days appointed and that the Philistines gathered themselves together at Michmash, he said, Therefore said I, the Philistines will come down now upon me in Gilgal, and I have not made supplication unto the Lord. He says, I forced myself. That's important. Saul says, I forced myself, therefore, and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. But now, verse 14 says, but now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord have sought him a man after his own heart. And the Lord have commanded him to be captain over his people because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. This is a blank. Woo. This is a couple of blanks for you this morning. If you notice in verse number, notice in verse number 12, Saul says, I had to force myself. If you have to force yourself, to operate or function in a particular ministry or serving role, then your gifting probably doesn't match that ministry. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about there's never going to be a bad day when you're serving in some ministry. I'm not talking about, Sister Sarah, there ain't going to be some days that you call me on the phone and say, you ain't going to believe the mess we have in the restroom. And she's saying, if you don't mind, you can take care of this. No, I just told her that. <laughs> but, but I'm not talking about just bad days. We all have those. But I'm talking about Saul is saying, he said, I put myself in a place that wasn't his place. The priest wrote, I was going to offer, that wasn't his. He said, I had to force myself. If you have to force yourself to operate or function it, then it may not be your gifting. Amen. Saul's gift was to be king. But notice, there was injury done to him even for those that he served whenever he started to function in a row, number one, he wasn't qualified to function in, but number two, in the road that he was trying to force himself to do. The Bible says this, Matthew 25 and verse 14 and 15, for the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered them his goods. Verse 15, 
And unto one he gave five talents, to another two. You remember the story of the talents? And to another one, to every man according to his several ability and straightway took his journey. Look what he said. He, 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 to every man he gave the talents, all right, according to their several ability. This is a blank on your page this morning. Before he gave the talent, he knew their ability. Before he gave the talent, he knew their ability. What are you saying, Pastor Miguel? I'm saying this. God knows what you are capable of. God sees your gift. He sees your potential. He gave differently to each in this parable. The Bible says he gave one five talents, gave two uh, to the other one two, to another one one, to each according to their several ability, to each according to their capacity. Uh, each was fitted for the service in which he was employed to. All right, He knew the one that was given five could maintain, deal with, give increase, if you will, uh, to the five. And so uh, the gifts that were needed for the fulfillment, no doubt, is bestowed upon us by the Lord. In other words, whenever we find ourselves serving the capacity that God wants us to serve in, sometimes we're like Moses. We're like, you know, I'm slow of speech, I'm stutter, I can't do it. But whenever you read in the book of Acts, I think it is chapter number seven, and you read of the story of Moses as they're looking back, they're talking about Moses being a decent orator. It's not that we have a contradiction in Scripture. It's this, that Moses rose to the ability that God had inside of him, but in the beginning was doubtful about what he had. And that's one of the many reasons why even the Lord, in the test of, of striking the rock once, and Moses struck it twice, you know, and he wasn't able to enter the promised land. He was supposed to speak to the rock, if you remember to begin with. That's the Lord was just trying Moses out. Here's a man that thinks he's slow as stutter. I'm going to try to speak to the rock. He missed the moment right there because God was trying to use him where he knew he was gifted. But he's like denying it, struck it, and had a bad way. But if you read in Acts chapter number 7, it speaks about his oratory abilities. That was pretty good. God gives us the gifts that we need for the job that he wants us to serve in. And although you may not feel like you have them when you start it, you'll find them as you do it. I can't say that enough. As a pastor, as an evangelist, uh, and I've told you before, you know, years ago we were with Brother and Sister Sizemore, amen, which was our pastors from years ago, and we were evangelizing. We were down in Florida, and we were sitting with them, and we were talking about, you know, the future, if we would ever pastor, so on and so forth, and sharing with them our feelings and inadequacies whenever we thought about pastoring a church. Like, pastoring a church, woohoo! we'll leave that to Dad. You understand? We'll leave that to Bishop. We'll leave that to that one or that one. This going evangelizing thing, going into a church, preaching for seven days and then leaving, sounds great. That's what we do. This is a good thing because the problems are left there and, you know, nobody's calling us about anything, you know. So we just go and that's great. And so we, we were felt quite inadequate and we confess, you know, there's just some certain traits and skills that we thought we did not have in order to be a pastor or a pastor's wife. And again, the wisdom and the soft-spokenness of, of Brother Sizemore spoken to our lives, having been there himself, he told me and Sister McGee, he said, you'll find those traits and skills in us when you need them. In other words, you know, if you need wood to build a bridge to get across the ditch, you might not even recognize the wood until it's necessary. He says, you'll find those things in you as you need them the bible says in ephesians 4 and verse number 8 wherefore he saith 
When he, he's speaking of Jesus, the he there is, is referring to Jesus. When he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. When he ascended on high, this is one of your blanks, he gave gifts to men. When Christ Jesus ascended to heaven, all right, he was a man, if you will, we could say it like this to, to coincide with the parable that I just read. He is a man that was going into a far country, and that is he went with a purpose to, to be away a great while, and when he went, here's another one of your blanks, he took care to furnish his church. He's going away. He's ascending, but he took care to furnish his church with all things. Everybody say all things all things necessary for it during his personal absence. Because we don't have now, you know, whenever he left, we don't have Jesus Christ in the flesh walking on the earth. You know, that's absent. But on Pentecost, his spirit came inside of the church in Acts 2, and now we are his hands and we are his feet, and he gave gifts to men to function in his absence while he's away preparing a home for us. So he facilitated these gifts by giving them to men and women, by giving them to hum humanity. And here we are, not just for us here now, but even those that are yet to be saved. I think that's important. There, there, there are giftings that our church needs that have not yet been saved yet. <laughs> there are giftings, amen, that have not yet been saved yet. Amen. Uh, we, we are at the disadvantage. We only see, you know, today and yesterday, right? We only see today and yesterday. And so our response is, you know, I can't do that or I'm not able to do that. But God's eternal. You know, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And eternity, from the standpoint of eternity, he's not bound by time. He's seen us in our yesterday. He sees us in our today. He already sees us in our tomorrow. And so it's not that I can't do this or I'm not able to do this. God sees the capability of even our tomorrows. It, oh, yes, it doesn't matter where you are right now. You say, well, Brother McGee, I'm in a mess right now. I'm just in a holy mess. I'm in a holy mess. There's no way I can serve. That's all right. God sees when you can serve still yet in your future. He realizes and sees you're not always going to be in that turmoil or mess that you're in right now where you feel insufficient, incapable of giving or serving anything. No, he sees what you are going to be. Amen. Amen. Uh, some writer, I don't remember was, he spoke about, he said, I don't want to someday stand in heaven and stand beside the person that I could have been. Could you imagine just standing beside the person that you could have been or that, that the Lord even had intended or desired for you to be? Man, we, 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 want, we want to fulfill the call. Let's go. I got to rush. I got to rush today. Amen. Is everybody doing okay? Look at these beautiful kids up here. They're going to get antsy here in just a few moments. <laughs> Amen. This is another blank. And this is, this is not real spiritual. This is just natural, but we can pull something from it. Queen bees are not born, at your blank, queens, but develop to be queens. She's usually, the queen bee is usually the mother of most, if not all, the bees that are in the hive. And the queens that develop from the larvae are selected by worker bees. She specially fed a particular dietary diet to become sexually mature for the purpose of reproducing as a queen bee. If, she, if not for being fed, and this is the only terminology you can find, fed the royal jelly <laughs> of, of, that was particular to her, her dietary need, the queen larva would have developed into just a regular worker bee. 
All honeybee larvae are fed the same royal jelly for the first few days after hatching. But only the queen larva is fed on it exclusively past those initial weeks. And as a result in the difference of her diet, she will develop into the ability of being able to be a mature queen bee unlike all the other worker bees. She is developed not, this is one of your, this is one of your blanks, she is developed not to produce but reproduce. Reproduce. She's not the originator, she's the perpetuator, if you will, of everything. The parable that preceded the one concerning the giving of the talents, and I'm probably going to stop and pick back up next week. All right, is that all right, everybody? The parable that precedes the one of the talents is the one of the ten virgins, five wise and five foolish, right? You remember they are waiting on the bridegroom to come, amen? And, uh, and then prior to that, we have the servants with the talents that are working for the Lord. These two parables are stationed back to back in the scripture. They're stationed back to back. And in reality, not to be taken separately, but in, in a means to be taken together. <clears throat> because some should not be called to be waiters, like the ten virgins, and others workers, like those that had the talents of the five and the two and the one. But together, we should be waiters and workers. We're waiting with a longing for the bridegroom to come. But while we're waiting, we're working diligently until he comes. This is one of your blanks. The servant with one talent in the story of the talents is rebuked. Listen, he's rebuked. Not because he did something against the Lord, but because he didn't do anything for the Lord. Imagine doesn't come and say, I can't believe you did that. No, it was... I can't believe you didn't do anything. I give him the one, you didn't do anything with it. And I, I, I'm going to be closing here real quick and we'll continue next week. Luke 19 and verse 13. And he called his 10 servants and delivered them 10 pounds and said to them, this was the word in another one of the gospels, occupy till I come. Brother Gregory, occupy did not mean get a glass of tea and twiddle your thumbs. Occupy did not mean to find the chase lounge out in the backyard and sit and look at the sky and the clouds and see what you can depict from them. No. In the Greek, the word occupy means this, to busy oneself with. Busy oneself till I come. Just don't wait for the Lord to come back and return. Don't just be waiting for that. Do something while you're waiting. Do something while you're waiting. And so we're anticipating his return as for sure, but we also want to be involved in doing something as we are waiting. Why? Because you have a gift. You have ability, sir or ma'am, whether you recognize it or not, whether you want to own it or not, you do, and your part matters, and we need that part as a part of the body of Christ, each of us, for you to supply what you can supply, us to supply what you can supply, and we benefit from one another. And all in all, the whole body then grows and benefits overall from it. Amen. If you'll stand with me, we'll pick up from there next week. You can keep your papers. If you lose them, that's on you. You didn't lose your papers. Your papers are on the floor, aren't they? I see that. It happens, buddy. It happens. <laughs> Amen. Brother Mason, if you can come here today, your part matters. I'll give you another sheet of blanks next week. We can continue. 
Amen. Can we just bow our heads in this place today? Again, we are in the month of November. We're, we're about ready to go into another year, 2020. Amen. Unbelievable. Amen. And there are still just so many different responsibilities and opportunities to serve the body of Christ and to serve the kingdom of God. And you have giftings and capacities and abilities that God has given you in particular to be able to serve, be able to serve the church, to be able to serve even your community. Amen. Be able to serve the Lord. And that service, that, 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 that you're a minister in doing that. To serve is, is to minister. Amen. Lord Jesus, I come to you this morning. I pray, oh, Lord God, over every heart and every soul, Lord, that sits under the sound of my voice today. God, I pray, oh, Lord Jesus, you, you have designed the church. You've designed this thing that you call the body of Christ with great intent and great purpose. God, I pray, oh, Lord Jesus, that we, Lord, as Scripture says, we, we rejoice, the body does, when all rejoice. And God, that we, Lord, are in sorrow. We weep, God, with those that are weep. It's just a precious thing about the dynamic of the body. I pray, oh God, today there's people sitting before me today. God, they don't feel like they have anything to offer. God, they have done the comparison game between themselves and others. And they feel as though, Lord, they are behind the door when it comes to talents or abilities or being able to offer anything. I pray, O oh Lord Jesus, to combat, Lord, that type of thinking this morning. I pray, O oh Lord Jesus, today, help them, God, to feel the pool of your spirit upon their life, to understand it's not just me and three others, Lord, that make this body, but it's everybody, Lord, in this house this morning. God, as a part, as a member, Lord, that makes this thing called the body of Christ. I pray, O oh Lord, today, God, prick them in their heart and in their soul. Encourage those that are serving. Encourage those, Lord, that are giving of their time and their abilities, Lord, God, and on the same hand, inspire, Lord, somebody else. I pray, oh, Lord, to see, God, that they are meaningful to the kingdom, that they are meaningful, Lord Jesus, to the church, Lord, in this endeavor, that we're not just waiting for you, but, God, we're going to work, Lord Jesus, while we're waiting, God, for the kingdom of God, Lord Jesus, to come. Hallelujah. Can we just raise our hands right now, if you would feel like it today, unto the Lord. We could just sing just a few bars of a song today. Hallelujah. And just magnify him. Maybe God would start already dealing with your heart this morning. You know, Brother McGee, I'm thinking there, there might be something I can offer. There might be something I can do. I believe that today, sir. I believe that today, ma'am. Oh, if you can use anything, Lord. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.